It's good to be back with you all this Sunday. Some of you are so kind to say that you missed us while we were out, but it was a great uh, opportunity to be away and participate in a wedding ceremony at the beach. And, and no offense to my children in the room, but it's also kind of nice to go to the beach with your wife without your kids every now and then. And so, so it was wonderful to be away. I did uh, live stream on the way back down the road. And uh, so grateful for Dr. Gary Fenton and his ministry here uh, while I was away. I've had a lot of things that I've experienced in my first, what, five, almost six months of being your pastor. But one of the things that can make a pastor very nervous is when he's seated up front and the music minister says, I'm going to try something avant-garde. Well, I hadn't heard about this one, and uh, well done, Kelly. It was so, so great. Feel free to have the freedom to just be as avant-garde as you'd like uh, moving forward, but it really was um, an encouraging song. We're starting a sermon series in the book of 1 John today. We're going to walk through 1 John this summer, and we're starting here in chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 to you. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible, it's on page 862. Page 862. John writes these words. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of His Son Jesus purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make, we make Him out to be a liar and His Word has no place in our lives. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think it's beyond dispute that humans were created for relationship. We're created for relationship. And this is surely tied to our understanding of the truth that we were created in God's image. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit always existing in perfect relationship with each other. And so to bear the image of God is to be created for relationship with other people and also with our Lord. Now, I've thought some about this in recent weeks because of a, a book that I've just completed. And there's this idea that as soon as we are born into the world, one of our deepest longings is to connect with other people. 
Ellie Walker's back there on the back with her newborn son, and I got the chance to speak to her on the way in. And to look at him and to remember that when my own children first came into the world, they, they have this desire and their eyes are wide open. They can't see very far away from their face, but they, they long to connect with some other person who's also made in God's image and has that desire for fellowship and relationship. It's that part of who we are that, that caused me part of the most concern for all that we had to go through during the pandemic. Because one of the consequences of us having to be so careful to not be around each other is that, that propensity, that need, that desire inside of us to connect with other people was frustrated. And we saw lots of negative consequences from that. I read an article in the Wall Street Journal just this past week about how crime rose during the pandemic when we were isolated because we just weren't made to be isolated from each other for very long. We go crazy at some point. And this idea that we're made for fellowship with God and with each other is at the heart of what John starts out here in his letter to his recipients of 1 John. Now you got to know a little bit about what's happening and what John's addressing to kind of understand where he's going. But there was this sense of false teaching in the early church that John's addressing. That there was this material split between the soul and the body. And that the soul or the spiritual was good and the body was bad or irrelevant. And so it led some Christians to not understand how significant it was that they live in the world in a way that is appropriate for the ways that God has responded to us or revealed himself to us in Jesus. As I think about the idea of us separating the spiritual or the mental from the physical, it makes me realize that as much as things change in the world, some things always remain the same. But there is this idea that what we believe and what we confess, we can compartmentalize in one part of our life, and then how we live is somewhat irrelevant. And 1 John holds us together to say that what we confess and what we believe and how we live in the world, that, that there needs to be congruity between those two things. And that in large part, it's dependent upon the way that God has revealed himself to us both in creation and most fully in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, if you think about relationship, one of the things that is necessary for relationship or fellowship is revelation. That one person or both people in the relationship have to be willing to talk to and share their heart with other people. Perhaps you've experienced the frustration of being in a relationship with someone or desiring relationship with someone that just never would open up or talk to you. That's quite a frustrating experience, isn't it? Because your ability to know them is limited by their willingness to share their heart and who they are with you. And it might be the case that you are gun-shy to share your heart and who you are with other people as well. Because implicit in that is the opportunity for what? Rejection or for trust to be betrayed. And so John writes, and he starts out, and he's talking about the importance of fellowship 
in relationship. And he's talking about the importance of the way that God has revealed himself to us most fully in Jesus and what difference it makes that Christ came into the world fully human. Now you can kind of hear it at the beginning here in 1 John chapter 1. Listen again to what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life. Do you hear, John, I, we were riding back yesterday from the ball game, and I said, Mary, you can almost just hear the, the excitement and also the frustration that John feels as he's riding to these opponents, and he says, Jesus is not just a figment of our imaginations. He's not just some spiritual being that came that appeared to be human. But Jesus was really human in the flesh. We've seen him. We've heard him. We've touched him. Isn't that we were singing that song right before the sermon, the idea that we long to be united with Jesus in that way? Oh, that spoke to my heart this morning. And John is saying, whatever else you may think to be true about Jesus, he came in the flesh. And it's one of the things I love about the post-resurrection accounts in the Gospels, is that the Gospel writers go out of their way to show us that Jesus, after the resurrection, was not a ghost. He wasn't a figment of their imagination but he had flesh and blood just like you and I do this morning. Do you remember that episode when he met the disciples on the beach and they had been fishing and they were cooking things up? He says, do y'all have any fish here to eat? That the bodily resurrection and the idea that Jesus came in the flesh both before he was raised from the dead and after have implications for how how you and I respond to all that God has revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And so John starts by saying, Jesus came into the world as a person with a body, and we saw him, and we heard him, and we touched him. And our faith is built on the historical reality of who Jesus was in the flesh. Secondly, he, he points out that, that the reason he's writing is that their fellowship with God and with others would be deepened because of this understanding. The goal of what John's saying here is that our fellowship with the Lord and our fellowship with each other would be enriched by our understanding of the ways that God has revealed himself to us. The wonderful truth about the Bible is that God has revealed himself to us, and the more frustrating truth about the Bible is that we haven't always responded to his revelation with obedience and faith. So that our relationship with God has been fractured. And our relationship with other people has been fractured. I've laughed in recent weeks. I was leaving a ball field. I swear, if I'm not here, I'm at a ball field, okay? If you're looking for me. I was leaving a ball field the other day, and I passed this guy. He had on a shirt that really made me laugh. He said, I used to be a people person. And then underneath it, it says, but people ruined it. Perhaps you can relate to that in your own life. But we know if it's on a global scale or if it's in our families or at work that that our relationships with each other have been fractured because of our sin and disobedience. 
And it's even the case that our relationships with others in the church are that way. And so John writes to help us know what God has done for us in Jesus that allows us to be in right relationship with the Father and with Christ and to be in a right relationship with each other, that fellowship is the goal. And I, I intend to harp on this a lot in coming weeks. That as much as I'm happy that we can stream things for people coming back from the beach like me, or for people who are physically unable to come and would love to come, that I don't think there's any bright future for any church apart from this deep commitment to be in relationship and fellowship with each other. That as hard as it is, see, each of you had to make a decision. You had to come here this morning and show up. And you had to get dressed. And you had to come at the right time or close to the right time. But there's something that happens because we're created as physical beings, that that our bodies matter, that we're in relationship with each other and we look each other in the eye or we shake somebody's hand, that we were created for that. And the longer that you're with somebody, usually the more that you love them. And it's really hard to develop love for someone if you're never with them. And so John is saying our fellowship with the Father and our fellowship with each other is dependent upon what God has done for us in the flesh and the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 5, this is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. John says at the heart of who God is, God is light. And this picture of God, this image of God being light, really pulls on an illustration that's all throughout the Bible. The contrast between light and dark. And light speaks to to two things at least. It speaks to God's moral quality, that he is holy, that he is set apart, that he is good, that he is for us. And in him there is no darkness at all. And it also speaks to the fact that you and I can only live our lives appropriately in this world as we yield ourselves to God's plans and his purposes in the world. I've been reading a fair amount of wisdom literature lately in the Bible, Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. And one of the first places that wisdom literature starts, if you want to be a wise person, you should likely doubt your own instincts and trust that you need to be led by someone who is wiser than you. So for you and I to function appropriately in the world, we need the light of God to guide us and help us to see and understand that which we can't see and understand on our own. And John makes this point about God being light and in him there being no darkness. And also if we say we have fellowship with him, we must walk in the light as he is in the light because there were some in John's audience that were saying, it doesn't really matter how you live. You can have fellowship with God in this kind of mental, spiritual sense, 
And then how you go out and live and what you do with your body is kind of up to you and beside the point. And into that context, John says, by no means. That God is light, and if we say that we have fellowship with Him, then we must walk in the light even as He is in the light. And it brings up questions for me, maybe it brings up questions for you. Do you always walk in the light? I know that I don't. Sometimes I'm at my darkest at those ball fields that I told you about earlier. That I know my own propensity to turn my back on the Lord and to turn my back on other people and not be in fellowship with God and with others the way that I should be. And we're going to see this theme all throughout 1 John. John's, he's going to repeat themes over and over again to drive it into our heads and our hearts. But what, God, what John's getting at is not that we are always going to be perfect. But he is getting at the general direction and focus of our life ought to be a reflection of who God is and who he's called us to be in the world. And I think that's another important role that the church plays in our lives. That just like we don't do that well when we're isolated from other people, just generally, we also don't do that well at walking in the light when we're isolated from other people. But as I surround myself with other people who seek to know and live for the Lord Jesus, usually I do better at knowing and living for the Lord Jesus. I experienced this one summer. It was a pivotal summer in my life when I was in Yellowstone National Park. And I went out there and I worked as a maid all summer. You should be nice to anyone who cleans your room, okay? It's not as easy as you think it is. You should also never drink out of the cups in your hotel room. I'll let you think about why that's true on your own. But I was out there, and one of the byproducts of being there, I was on a project with Campus Crusade for Christ. And I was surrounded by a bunch of people who were passionate in their relationship with Jesus and were so much mature in their relationship with Jesus than I was. And God used that fellowship that summer to help me maybe not arrive at their level, but to help me to see what it looks like to be a more faithful follower of Jesus. And as I watched them, I wanted to be more like them. That God didn't intend for you to live the Christian life by yourself. But God intends for you to be in community with other people who are examples and who you can also be an example for as you're trying to walk through this difficult life that God's called us to live here in a fallen world. So how we live matters. We can't say that we have fellowship with a God who is light if we walk in darkness. The last point that John makes is that none of us is perfect. So even as we're trying to walk in the light, even as God is light, it's important that we acknowledge that each of us is a fallen human being that sins. 
If we claim to be without sin, John writes, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. So the same people in John's audience who were saying, it doesn't matter how you live, were also denying just the very fact that sin was a part of the world. Now there's one thing that I truly believe about every person I've ever met, including myself. It's that we have sinned. Do you believe that about yourself? And also everybody that you meet? That we're born into this world with this fallen condition and we need God's grace and mercy that's on display for us in Jesus Christ. And it can be that that is the starting point for our fellowship with each other. I've asked you before, are there any people at church that drive you bonkers? And I've told you not to say it out loud, but there might be. And people that you have less patience for and that require you to really pray hard before you come, maybe. But when you step into a community of people who acknowledge that every person no matter how wonderful they may appear on the outside, is someone who has sinned against the Lord and others and is in great need of the grace and the mercy that God has shown for us in Jesus Christ, then it gives you a chance to be kind and loving and forgiving to other people that God puts in your life. That whole idea that those who have been forgiven much do what? They love much. And those who have been forgiven little love little. Pray that God would increasingly reveal himself to us in the person of Jesus as we study the Bible, as we gather for fellowship, as we live in relationship with each other. That we would grow more in our relationship with him, that we would understand all that God has done for us in Jesus to reconcile us to himself. And that he would give us even more of a heart to live in deep fellowship with each other. So that as we walk in the light, even as God is light, others might see our good deeds. They might glorify our Father who is in heaven. And that our proclamation in our lives, that there would be more congruity between those two things. So that God might give us deeper joy in him. And allow us to reach more people with the good news of all that God has done for us in Christ. I invite you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for the truth of the gospel. And we thank you that, that you have made us for fellowship and relationship with you and others. And though we have fallen short of your glory, that you have done for us what we could never do for ourselves. That, Lord Jesus, you came and you took on flesh. That you were made like us in every respect, yet without sin. So that we might be reconciled to you and to our fellow man. Well, Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart to draw near to you and to each other. That we would look to have that desire for fellowship met in you 
and others that you provided for us in the church and that we wouldn't look in all these other places for things that would satisfy our hearts. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the grace and the mercy that we need to walk in the light even as you are light. And as we see sin in our own hearts, we would be quick to confess that to you, knowing that you are just and you are faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, if God's leading you to...